0: up and welcome into the lead block happy thursday slash friday everybody we're coming at you a little early this week um matthew how you doing
1: doing great man how about you
0: good yeah. my name is tyler walters and i am your host alongside my guy matt Anderson, there you, go. you just heard um go follow the show on twitter before you listen at the lead underscore block go follow matthew at matt the chosen one with the number one numero and go find me on Twitter at Tyler Walters C N R. Uh, got a little bit of a different setup in the studio. We finally got our producer Brendan a mic. What's up, guys? So we're all rolling off on the lead block here, and I am excited. This is the best week in football in college football uh, by far.
1: Best far for sure.
0: Yeah. So I was telling Matthew before the show started. I'm rolling through the slate of games. Um, had a busy day. Get, finally get to where I can look at some football, going through the games for the sh- to make the show rundown. And I'm like, ah, we got some, you know, Carolina's playing Georgia, Clemson's playing FSU, uh, BAM at A&M, that one will be, you know, maybe alright. Uh, oh, crap, we got Florida LSU, we got the Red River Rivalry, the shootout, as we call it on this show. And we got Michigan State, Wisconsin, we got Penn State, Iowa, we got some great games coming up this week, and we're going to give you a our thoughts on all of them, we're starting right now. So, finally, after the off week, we got a game week back here in Columbia. The Gamecocks are going to Athens to play Georgia in Sanford Stadium Saturday at noon, and that'll be on ESPN. Um, and it's a big week, and here we go, Matthew.
1: So, what do you think about it right now? I was asked, as a matter of fact, I accidentally turned out, an well, accident. I turned down some tickets to this game because I wanted to see the other college football games that are going to be uh, playing this weekend. I, and one of my main reasons was because I feel like this game will be a blowout before the end of the second mm-hmm. or third quarter. I feel like it'll probably be, it'll be somewhere along the lines, at least like a 24, 35 point like, difference between the two mm-hmm. scores. So, I turned them down so I could watch this um, uh, Red River rivalry. But hopefully, the game come to play, you know. 12 o'clock noon. They want to sit They want to sit in their hotel room long on Saturday morning. So <laughs> <laughs> I hope everybody's healthy and they'll be ready to uh, come out and play.
0: Yes, yeah, interesting you say 24-35 point lead early in the third quarter or, four, or late third quarter or early fourth quarter. Um, I was kind of shocked when I, like, read the lines. I don't know. I guess it just surprises me that how far South Carolina's football has fallen because – for seven, eight, nine years there, this Georgia-South Carolina game was decided by seven points or less every single year. Um, and to see Georgia's 24 and a half point <laughs> here, it's, it's kind of crazy. Uh, just just thinking what this rivalry was just such a short time ago. Yeah, obviously Georgia's dominated over the, uh, the history of the rivalry. I think it's like 50-something games to yeah. 20-something games, Georgia. Um, it, I mean, it would take for South Carolina to catch up and to make it 500. But, yeah, so we'll start here. Uh, I was out of the press conference this week with Muschamp and players, uh, a couple offensive linemen spoke, and J.C. Horn and uh, Dowdle. We saw Dowdle. That was good. We don't always get the biggest guys on the team for the press conferences. They just kind of roll out whoever they've got and whoever they um, think is going to be relevant to talk it uh, was cool to see Rico talk this week, and the biggest point, every question asked at the press conference, it felt like, how are you going to run the ball? How are you going to stop the run? So, I actually wrote about that on the Carolina News and Reporter. Um, that's online. I just tweeted out a link, at Tyler Walters, CNR, a little shameless plug there, uh, I, and my article was basically just about you know, what Georgia has done so far in their rush offense and in their rush defense. Um, and, and what South Carolina has or hasn't done in their rush offense and their rush defense and how they think that they can stop uh, this Georgia running attack. And you're looking at the, you, DeAndre Swift is just an unbelievable black, uh, uh, unbelievable back and we saw him you know a couple weeks ago when they played Notre Dame, we talked about his hurdle in the middle of the field where he hurdled a Notre Dame defender linebacker, I believe. Yeah. And, and like, in between three guys, like, five yards from the line of scrimmage, just in a crowd, just popping out hurdles. That's the kind of guy you're playing this week. And he's strong. Yeah. And he's, I mean, he's obviously, like, incredibly athletically gifted. And he's fast. He gets to the outside, which Georgia has been trying to run the ball, like, a decent bit outside. Um, And they've been just as successful running it outside. When you kind of think of Georgia, you think of this power run game, they run the ball outside a lot. Um, I think I saw an SEC stat cat an account of tweeted or mentioned here a few times um, on the podcast on Twitter, which is a great, they don't have a lot of followers, but great analytics for SEC football. Just, just kind of cool to look at Georgia's like running the ball outside. outside the tackle, their explosive plays uh, as 10 plus yards, rushing plays 60% of those have occurred outside the tackles this year that about the 16 on one side and 14 on the other side, um, so they—I mean—they are running the ball throughout the field, trying to get it everywhere, and they will burn a corner on on the rush, um, which is something JC Horn JC Horn talked a little about this week. But I just don't see how—I mean—it's going to be just ridiculously tough for the South Carolina defense to try and stop DeAndre Swift and the other running backs they have.
1: Yeah, they're kind of known for, if you look back, I think we said this in one of the other podcasts, as far as like the other running backs they've had come through Georgia, they've all, for the most part, been very successful, including most notably Michelle and Gurley and uh, uh, Chubb and guys like that. And they also have a really good offensive lines, and they kind of keep them coming through. You, Whenever you recruit to Georgia play offensive line, you know you're just going to be run, running and pounding your way through it. And hopefully, potentially become a first, second, third round pick, and at least be able to sustain a long career in the NFL as a run blocker, predominantly.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, Georgia's been. It's kind of strange to think about the great quarterbacks that Georgia's had over the last ten or so years: Stafford and Aaron Murray. Who I actually saw is in a broadcast booth yep, now. Yeah, um, I saw that too. I didn't know he was doing that until last week or so. Uh, Davian Clowney just owned Aaron Murray. Yeah, every, every year that that Aaron Murray was at Georgia. But, uh, and, and, you know, they have, and they just have an abundance of quarterbacks, right? This year, they have three quarterbacks that committed and went to Georgia, are starting at three pretty predominant programs across the country. I mean, Fromm's still at Georgia. Yeah. And Fields is at Ohio State. Yeah. And Jacob Beeson's out in Washington, who have been a force in the Pac-12 for the last uh, 10 so years. Yeah. Under, um, Chris Peterson. Yeah, Chris Peterson out there. But. Yeah, and you you think about the 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 quarterbacks, but then you think about the running backs that they've had over the last ten years. I mean, no Sean Moreno and, and all the guys, and you know going back to him, and then all the other guys you just listed like Chubb and and Gurley and Michelle and, and those guys. Um, yeah, they I don't Georgia just has they find a way to to make star players uh, at Georgia, and, and I mean they've been a very good team over the course of the last. 15 years they've been right on the like a really good team almost every year they just haven't won that national championship um and obviously the last couple years they've been really close they were in the national championship and got their hearts ripped out in atlanta uh two years ago um but yeah it's it's going to be a tough tough week for the gamecocks georgia is ranked uh in the top 15 in rushing defense as well as far as rushing yards allowed per game, and total rushing yards allowed. So South Carolina running the ball is going to be like just as hard as stopping Georgia from running the ball themselves.
1: Yeah, I was just looking at the stats and they're averaging 250 yards uh, on the ground per game and the teams they are playing are averaging 59.6. So that goes to show you right there, they're really good at stopping the run and running the ball. One thing to also think about Georgia, like I could imagine being at those practices and seeing those linebacker running back matchups, because they have really good linebackers like the one who went to the Bears, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Roquan Smith Is that yeah right? you have him there oh there's another one that wore 84 at Georgia I cannot think of this guy's name he's playing in the NFL Alec Ogletree so they've had a lot of really good linebackers that have played at Georgia as well so I'd imagine the line, the matchups and practices and the drills like inside where it's the run game versus the defensive obviously like the front seven those have been really great dynamics uh, matchups to watch out for
0: yeah absolutely so Uh, we, Dowdle is back, by the way. Um, I think there was a little worry about Rico Dowdle going out at the end of the Kentucky game. He, I, I mean, when I saw it, you know, I felt bad for him. You know, Dowdle struggled injuries throughout his career and I see him hopping off the field at the end of the Kentucky game and I'm thinking, oh no, like this is, this is going to be another injury for Dowdle, but he's back. He was at full practice, uh, this week. Um, Muschamp said he worked out all throughout the bye week, didn't practice uh, with the team, but. He was full go at practice Monday, Tuesday mornings. I think Monday they had a walkthrough. Tuesday he was full go, um, and he spoke after the he spoke before must actually, and said he was feeling good and he's ready to get after it. Um, him last time out, him and Tavian Feaster both had over a hundred rushing yards against Kentucky, a uh, hundred rushing yards each against Kentucky. And I mean, they, and Carolina just they must Champ talked about it a lot. They have to continue to do. That, to keep Ryan Alinsky from throwing the ball 50 times like he did against Alabama and Missouri in games, they both lost pretty miserably.
1: Okay, do you, uh, one question for you. Do you think with him being coming off injury, they go ahead and start him, or do you think they let Tavian take most of the carries and then let uh, Dowdle come in and here and there?
0: From every indication I got from Muschamp, it was, you know, Dowdle's fine, and we're going to keep doing what we've been doing. Okay, uh, it, it didn't look to me like there would be any hesitation as far as, Dowdle running, you know. He said he worked out in full. He practiced in full, um, so it looked like maybe he just got tweaked something, or, or just had a little, you know, landed kind of funny and was f- and fine after. Um, but yeah, from from everything that I have seen from the program, he looks to be full go, and they're gonna hold nothing back. And, and he is Dowdle is gonna be the guy with Feaster being that strong second punch, a little one A one B instead of a kind of a one versus two back. Um, mm-hmm but which they've kind of done. I mean, they did it exceptionally well against Kentucky. Uh, I can't say that enough. They, I mean, they ran for over 250 yards in that game, I believe. Um, and Maughan coming in late in the game as well, ran for 30 or 40. Uh, but, yeah, it, that's that's going to be the point of emphasis this week It is keeping Holinsky from throwing the ball 50 times. And one of South Carolina's offensive linemen this week, uh, Eric Douglas, uh, said that you know, we the offensive line, we take pride in our ability to run the football. And when you're not, you're like, you don't want a guy sitting back, throwing the ball 50-something times a game. That's just not a good formula in this league. And, I mean, a strong statement from your offensive lineman, who is only redshirt sophomore, sophomore, redshirt sophomore, by the way. Yeah. Um, a Kind of a, a guy who lost his quote-unquote starting spot. I mean, those offensive linemen starting spots were just – roll in and out with, with the amount of subs that they have to get, you know, um and, and other than than Staley and, and some of the older guys, the younger guys have been rotating out a lot this year. Um and the and he kind of lost his spot that he had before he went out two or three weeks ago, um with a little with a little injury and and wasn't able to start a game. But uh yeah, that was just a powerful statement for me to say, hey, like what he said was, we know we've got to run the ball because we know we can't throw fifty times a game and, and win. We know that's not a winning formula. As a team, we know that's not a winning formula. We don't need our coach to tell us that. Like we know we all can't sign up to play in the SEC, and you can't throw the ball fifty times a game in the SEC and expect to win. Like you, you have to run. You have to be physical. You have to beat the other team on the line of scrimmage to be successful. Um, and it was, it was interesting to see like him take so much. Uh, I guess, like credit or not credit. So he he put the responsibility on the offensive line and he was, it looked very aware, like, Hey, like we know this is on us and we're going to try to go do this because we know that's what we need to do if we want to win this football
1: game. To see an offensive line take pride and like that on his unit and really on how the offense goes overall. Uh, One thing also to think about here is if the USC's offensive line can really apply pressure in this game and really move those defensive linemen for Georgia off the line of scrimmage, you can really have a closer game than what you expect them because that also could take a lot of time off the clock. Because what you really don't want to have here is your defense on the field the whole entire game. And Georgia just kind of grounded and pounding them the whole entire time. So they're able to do this, take that time of possession a little bit. It really could work to your advantage. Also, one thing to note, while obviously T.J. Brunson was one of the star players that came out of South Carolina in the class of 2016, the following year, spring the locals Spring Valley High School had a guy named Channing Tindall. And Channing was able to – I think he was one of the top two or three linebackers in the state, and he went on to play at Georgia. So you have a battle of linebackers coming out of this state.
0: Yeah, there's a couple of guys. Um, Douglas said there's a cannot I can't remember his name. There's a guy on Georgia's defensive line who he went to high school with in Mallard Creek near Charlotte, um, and he saw him the other week. And, you know, that's going to be a kind of an interesting matchup. Um, for him, he said, he's like, yeah, like – it, you know, we talked about the game a little bit, a little trash talk, but, you know, nothing too serious. And and he said it would be kind of interesting playing a former teammate and friend at Georgia. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of relationships with South Carolina Georgia. I mean, the school's being so close. Eh? And, and it's just the SEC, that's how it is everywhere. Uh, guys know guys from all of these schools. Um, and this one just is super highlighted. And we have the Kirby-Mustchamp relationship. Mustchamp left Georgia in 94? Um, as a graduate or, um, that was when he was done with the football team and Kirby came in as a freshman, uh, Muschamp's senior year, uh, must I've heard Muschamp speak in the past. Like he didn't really know Kirby that well as a player. Um, he, he knew him, but at the same time, like Muschamp was a senior and, and, and Kirby is a freshman. So they, they weren't interacting every day, uh, as it's kind of brought up to be. And he did say, you know, we haven't so yeah Kirby and I kind of coached you know uh, together a few times along the way and we have similar philosophies um and the way we think about things and I think that has a lot to do with a the guys that they played for at Georgia um and and the guys that they that they were coached for as far as Saban and, and and those guys and Saban molded both of them obviously we know uh Kirby because it's more recent because Saban spent Kirby spent so much time with Saban at Alabama and won multiple national championships but Muschamp also coaching with with Saban and, and I think that's kind of where they get their philosophies from now now neither one of them have been near as successful as as Nick Saban yet. yeah um I think that ship may have sailed for Muschamp yeah um, yeah, but uh, you range. can all I don't want to ever write anyone off but for Kirby he's on his way as a as it looks the his only problem is he's got a play saving every year uh in the SEC championship if he wants to go to a national championship so um kinda yeah that's of, that's a little bit of a bump in the road
1: kind of crazy to think that he already in his not a young career but he's already played uh, against pretty, Al-
0: pretty young career yeah. yeah
1: especially as a head coach he's already played alabama in a national championship game and really I guess you could say came one play away from what was that? Was the score tied or was Georgia up? Uh, Georgia was up. And
0: then. So yeah, almost yeah, beat Alabama them. through what like a Hail Mary from. Yeah. Four verticals from like that, the 50 ish.
1: Yeah, yeah. Tua hit the din- I forgot the number six. I know his name was. It's kind of crazy to think about in his career. He's already done that. Also, have you seen the videos that's been circulating around Twitter of Muschamp whenever he was at you, when he was at Georgia?
0: Yeah, I did see that. Who t- I think Mike Gillespie of ABC yep, tweeted yep. that out. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, really, really cool video. I mean, Muschamp looks like a young Muschamp. He has a strong
1: safety, too, which would be surprising.
0: I mean, he was was a pretty – I mean, Muschamp's still a big guy. Like, when you walk into the room, like, he easily would – like, he looks kind of, like, kind of fat and old on the sidelines now. But, I mean, I saw him in a T-shirt the other week, and he's been – looks like he's been hit the gym pretty hard, (laughs) honestly. He's easily bigger. Like, his arms are way bigger than any of the DBs. um as far as that I've ever met or seen, you know, face to face, yeah. I mean, Must he looks like back in his day, he would he would lay some kids out.
1: I would love to hear like the type of player he was. I know this is kind of off subject, but I'd love to hear the type of player he was, like the tension commander, like being the captain of the defense or whatever. Also, what do you know? What year Must was at Georgia? I don't
0: know yeah, is. I think he, uh, um, I think he left in '94, so that yeah. would have been '91 to '94, '92 to '94, something like that. '91 to '94. '91 to '94. So, um, yeah, and and Ray Goff was the coach at at Georgia then. Um, And Muschamp spoke highly of him uh, Tuesday and and said he he could not have had a better experience at Georgia or than he did at Georgia. He said he loved it. Um, But it's not like he said it wasn't some huge nostalgia game for him. He said he's only been back to Athens a couple times because when he was at Florida, I remember the Georgia-Florida game is played in Jacksonville every year. Yeah. Yeah. and he said he played him once or twice at Auburn, you know, maybe as a, as when he was there as an assistant, You're a at, coordinator. at Auburn. And, and yeah, but he the first time he was at Auburn, he said he think he played at Georgia once as a GA, I think he was. Yeah, and uh, and then as a D coordinator, and then um, here at South Carolina, he's only played once. So this is only the second time. So he said he's only been to Athens really about four or five times since he left as, as from. Uh, from being a student there and that there's no like nostalgia. He said he's just, you know, going to win a football game. And and um and he taught he did say he'd been there a few times on recruiting. I thought that was pretty interesting that he didn't he didn't doesn't go back to Georgia at all. Whereas South Carolina's previous uh head coach, Spurrier, it, it was Florida guy through and through. Um, even when he was at South Carolina, you know he was you knew he was always gonna go back to Florida in the end. I just don't get that feeling with Muschamp. It's like I can tell he enjoyed his time at Georgia. Yeah, but I can tell he also like he's. It's it's not really like a huge goal of his or anything to go back there and connect the dots, kind of in the same way that Spurrier did it and some other guys have done. Um, also, I did want to mention On Muschamp said this in the same sentence as Rico. He said Rico DeCarion; those guys are healthy, and, and we expect those guys to play on Saturday. So there wasn't anything extra there as far as we expect DeCarion to be a part of our game plan on Saturday, or or what we should get out of him. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's a question I should have asked, but he uh, he didn't speak any further on that. But so DeCarion is expected to be full play on Saturday. I can't imagine they'll try to push him too much if they don't have to. Yeah, because I mean, this is kind of a game where you might have to, but, uh, yeah, just he's your number two quarterback, and you're in tight situations. We spoke about uh, in the last couple episodes, if you lose to carry on Joyner, you were in a bad spot, so um, even though to carry on is not your number one choice, he wasn't even your number two choice going into the season Oh yeah, at, at quarterback, yeah. You you need him like you get below that you know you, you still do trust him to make plays obviously because you have him on the field doing different things because he's too valuable of an athlete to lose uh, so that's South Carolina Georgia quick
1: question uh, so you think if Bentley would have been to continue to play I think I think I know your answer here but if Bentley would have conti- would not have been injured you think uh, DeCarrion would have had a, much more of a role on the offense as far as his skill position or what do you think
0: I, I don't I think De, I think on would have tried to push more to just be involved at some point, um, but he does want to be a quarterback. Yeah. So, and, and I could tell, like he seemed like he was content in waiting uh, to prove himself, or, or continuing to try to prove himself in practices. And but he's also content in helping his team in any way that he can. So, I think to carry on is one of those rare guys where he kind of accepts whatever role he can get. He knows what role he wants. And he's gonna work for it, and he's not gonna back down from the challenges. But he's also content in doing what the coaches ask him to do because he wants to win. So um, and, and DeCarion is a is a teammate driven guy. That's kind of the vibe I get from him. Is that he wants the team to do well, um, and he wants to help his team, and he's proud of everyone on his team when they do well, um, and he's just doing everything he can to help. But I, I think I really think DeCarion just wants to be a quarterback, and I don't I don't really know how much time he would have got if Bentley's healthy. I don't think he really ever sees the field at quarterback, other than a few of those running plays that they've ran with him in the "quote unquote" wildcat this year. I don't think you can call it a wildcat when this guy was recruited as a quarterback. Yeah, that, that's BS. I'm tired of hearing
1: that. <laughs> that's not what that is. That's a good point.
0: Yeah, we can't call it a wildcat when you're when this guy's could have been a quarterback multiple other places. You know, smaller schools, not in not in the SEC. Um, he wasn't really being recruited as a quarterback in a lot of places, which is why he came to South Carolina. Uh, but yeah. And the only other thing I wanted to mention is South Carolina, They this isn't a, a like a much different team than they had two years ago. They had, I mean, they've had a worse loss already, two of them, much worse losses. Uh, but they, if you remember two years ago, they went to Athens, and they held their own. Right. And that was a game they could have won. Um, so I wouldn't be totally shocked to see them go out there and put up a great performance and have a chance to win. Um, but I mean, they're going to have to be just perfect, and, and you're going to get have to get big games from the O line. Uh, most importantly, I think that's the biggest matchup to watch in this game: is South Carolina offensive line versus Georgia defensive line. Um, and Holinsky is going to have to be good enough, and but you're going to have to have big games from Rico and Feaster, and we'll see how so we'll see how it goes. Rico, uh, excuse me, Helensky's going to have to continue to get the ball out quick. He's still the fastest in the SEC as far as snap to release time. Um, he's like right at two seconds, but yeah, and and then when you're going, up, the thing that's so hard about Georgia is their running backs are so good, as we talked about. You're going up against Jake Fromm, yeah, who is I mean, and, and you just kind of forget how accurate he is. Must Champ Open said this in his in this presser yes uh, yesterday, recording on Wednesday. Uh, so in Tuesday's presser, um, he's like, yeah, Fromm is right around eighty <laughs> percent. I just laughed. Yeah, I mean, that is just that's absurd, and people kind of. Jake Fromm has been getting quite the uh, the hype this year. Because um,
1: 'cause we've had the Justin Fields and then the uh Jalen Hurt performing. And he plays in the same conference as Tua. Yeah. So And Tua. I don't know how I forget that. Yeah,
0: one. yeah. And you can't and Burrow's been out on Unreal this year. So um it's it's been easy to forget about him, but let's not forget like this kid's like twenty four for twenty seven every week and it's absurd. So I mean watching Jake Fromm just be that accurate is just crazy and then
1: Um, not to mention like knowing it's Georgia they recruit very well they're having some really great receivers out there and so don't just like nobody just think that oh yeah they have bums out wide so they have to run the ball they can choose to do either or there's obviously a lot of great talent in the state of Georgia too so they don't have to go too far to recruit so they have dynamic playmakers pretty much all over the field
0: absolutely we'll move on from South Carolina and Georgia we'll see how that one goes and we'll certainly be talking a good bit about it um on Monday's episode. Yep. Uh, and we will move to the game in the upstate this week. FSU <laughs> is playing Clemson. Um, I, I mean, FSU's 3-2, and two, but they had to beat Louisiana Lafayette overtime. Uh, I, there's – I mean, I don't see anything out of them that would, would make me believe they can even make it a game. Clemson's a 27-point favorite. I, I don't know if Clemson will win by 27. Um, but – I just, I mean, here we're just gonna kind of like end up saying the same things here for every Clemson game because they're they aren't very interesting, um, and they they just play the same level of competition throughout the year, so it's kind of tough to sit here and analyze Clemson every week when they're just playing the same opponent every week, basically.
1: I was thinking about this myself earlier today, and it's like, yeah, exactly what you say. Like, there's no team left on their schedule. Maybe USC is a rival game, kind of, sort of. But besides that, it's just like there's no team that really even – really, one they say even the ACC championship that can make you be like, okay, this is going to be a good game for the Tigers. Like, it's like I know they should beat them. They have every, like, every bit of talent to knock this team off tremendously. It's just will they play their best game of football and be able to successfully beat the team by 30 or 40, however their talent suggests.
0: Yeah, I mean the sad thing is we won't see Clemson be tested until – uh, the college football playoff. Which I is mean, like December. Make it, but, yeah. yeah, I mean, January. So, or just yeah, the end of December, January almost. Um, I could, I would bet, like, that's really
1: hard. Maybe Dabbles can gotten this culture to where they understand that. But that's really hard for 18 to 22 because those kids can get bored. It's like, we're not going to play anybody. And did you see what Isaiah Simmons said this week about the whole – what was the, it? Whenever the, the whole paying thing is like... Th- the we bill, should the get,
0: California bill? Yeah, he's like, we should get paid. What did he say? We should, we should be getting... He's He said something along the lines of, I believe we should be getting paid more. Yes. More was included in a statement, <laughs> and Gamecock Twitter ripped that one apart immediately. I mean, a great, great moment. I, I thought it was hilarious. Um, yeah, I mean... <laughs> He's going to – and I'm sure what he meant was the football players do get vouchers. Yeah, stipends. Uh, yeah, stipends, whatever you want to call them, usually for rent. I, I know here at South Carolina uh, they get, you know, usually a little bit more than their rent, and they can pocket that or use it for whatever they want. Um, living expenses. Living expenses. But, I mean, still that extra bit of cash over that – over what they get paid for their place is, is not really enough to buy groceries even for the month. So, um yeah, even if they're only eating one meal a day at their apartment it's still not a lot of extra money I'm sure that'll be his explanation yeah but it was a great a great moment there like you pointed out it was pretty funny pretty funny on Twitter to see that um, so that'll get a lot of attention but we'll move on from from Clemson and their boring schedule to kind of go around the <laughs> SEC here um, game that sticks out on me uh, to me and, and I have it I'll, I'll Say it again later in my picks of the week. Uh, you got Mississippi State going to Neyland Stadium, um, and that's a noon game on the SEC Network. I, I just do, Mississippi State's only favored by seven. I don't see a scenario where Tennessee can keep up. So I, I've tried to try to get on the Tennessee. Maybe can squeak it out. Train a couple times this year. Yeah. And as soon as I get my foot on the platform, they take off and just just leave me sitting there on the on the. No, we can't do it. Uh, platform, so <laughs> yes, we can. I, I just I just don't see how a team like Mississippi State, who's had a you know an up and down year, but are still a pretty good team, I don't see a scenario where they only win by 7 points. I mean, I think they're going to go in there and win by twenty.
1: Yeah, I would say at least fourteen. I don't think they go lay an egg in no- Knoxville or no. Nah, I just I feel like it just keeps getting from bad to worse in Tennessee. The only reason season ticket holders go to the game because they have season tickets.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I there ain't nothing else to do. I, yeah, I, I got to agree with you there. I, I just don't see where that's only a seven-point game. Um, but, I mean, it, it'll be another good watch. I mean, it is a, it is a decent matchup because it, it is a test for Mississippi State, and this game doesn't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things because neither of those teams are going to make the, the – I mean, obviously, t- Tennessee may never make the playoff again the way they're <laughs> looking right now. But um, we
1: never see a playoff because it would not even whenever they were making it, in their prominence it wasn't even a playoff at that yeah, time.
0: Yeah, I mean they yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh so and, and Mississippi State is just they're they're just they're just not good enough this year to do it. Um it yeah, could be Mississippi State every now and then rises up in the West and they make things interesting. So we'll see how they do here in a couple of years. This this year just isn't it for them though. Uh we'll move to Bama and A um, and M. Um and I did ask this on the, the podcast the other day. Monday's episode of the lead block, how is Texas A&M still ranked? Because the only two tests they've had, they have proven to be not even close to worthy opponents. <laughs> and then we see Auburn last week who beat A&M at home, smacked AM at home, yeah. go down to Florida and get kind of tossed around. So, uh, I, I mean, I, how A&M is still in the top 25 just confuses the heck out of me. Um, but Bama's going there this week, and I fully expect for Tua to throw – 350, 400 passing yards, four TDs. Rugs may have all four this week. You know, they, they had a different guy last <laughs> week at four. And I think they're just picking a receiver in the locker room before the game. And two is all right. I'm just going to throw it to you today. And, still be uh, ready. <laughs> yeah, just be ready. It's coming to you all night. And, and I mean, that's just going to be – I don't see a scenario where that one's, that one's just even close at all.
1: If they would have shown me more promise, especially at the beginning of that Auburn game when they were at home, I'd be like, okay, we might have a game here. But the way Alabama just been kind of going and play people's houses and just uh, lighting them up, I don't really give uh and much of a chance. I know their crowd will be hyped up. It's the 3.30 CBS game. So, you know, the 12th man will be super excited for this one. But I expect it to be over before the third quarter.
0: Yeah, I mean, I honestly – South Carolina's performance against Alabama is better than what I expect Texas A&M's performance to, yeah. against Alabama to be this week because South Carolina did hang around for a quarter, almost almost a full half. Yeah. So I, I don't expect A&M to hang around after you know the first eight minutes. Um, really,
1: it seems like South Carolina has been one of the better teams to play Alabama this season.
0: They South Carolina has always just played right up to the level of their competition, so they'll play <laughs> good against Alabama in the first half. But, Yeah, they'll get beat in the second half like this shit. But, the, like, this week, it won't surprise me if they go on the road to Athens and they make it a great game and then they lose. Um, and, and then in a couple of weeks when they play Vanderbilt, they win by one point. Yep. So that's just South Carolina football in a nutshell. Um, and it just kind of has been forever. Um, but, yeah, it, it's – Bama is just – I don't think they're going to struggle at all As I don't knock over the entire studio here. Uh, a little
1: electrocution.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I mean – Three thirty, CBS, boring CBS game of the week. It should have been, it should have been LSU Florida, but thank God it's not. Oh, here's the thing. I, I forgot. I was about to say this. Uh, the ESPN Game Day crew, um, Reese Davis and, and Kirk Herbstreit and the Bear. Uh, Chris' his last name is kind of uh, hard to pronounce. Starts with an F. Um, the Bear on Game Day. If you watch College Game Day, he's the guy who's giving out typically the gambling picks. But uh, yeah, they. They were in a car this week, and I guess one of their their camera crew kind of recorded them with his phone of them saying, when does the 12th man ever really prove to be, like, relevant? Oh. And Kyle Field, and I mean, it's kind of shocking to hear it, but when you think about it, A&M hasn't won, uh, like, a, a big game at home against someone they shouldn't have beaten. They haven't had an upset at home in, I mean, just... Forever, I mean, their only, like, really big upset in the last 10 years was Bama, but it was on the road in Tuscaloosa.
1: That's exactly what I was about to say. I'm like, okay, but well Johnny, wins, but then you think about it, it's like, hmm. And then even whenever they beat Ole Miss that year, whenever Laquan Sherwood, I think, messed up his leg in that game. It was at Ole Miss, so really, I mean, it's loud and stuff, but does it really impact? I know it impacts teams, but it doesn't really cause them to lose or win. A it game. doesn't seem
0: like it motivates them anymore to win, um, <laughs> which is, I mean, weird to say. It caught me by surprise. I was like, "Whoa, slow down there!" But as Hot they t- explained it, I was like, "Ah, maybe he got something there." All right, we'll move to Florida LSU, like we were just saying. Florida, think I, I look. I love the CBS game. I've said it many times here. Um, I love the three thirty CBS game. Thank God this did not get on the three thirty CBS game. You cannot have a big game big game in Death Valley and it not be under the lights. That is just the way it should be. <laughs> big game. LSU should have a night game every game they play. I don't care if they're playing, you know, Canada State. It should be <laughs> under the lights at in Death Valley because that place is nuts. There are so many just Bayou people just down there just drunk off of their behinds. And just it's like a hundred thousand of them, and they're all way too drunk and way too loud, and they're just loaded up on gumbo and and, and whatever backwards behind moonshine they got down there, <laughs> and it is awesome. It is one. It is the best environment in college football. It is absolutely you know I've never been. Yeah. But. I mean, watching uh, is a life goal, uh, a bucket list thing of mine to go there because when you watch on TV, I cannot imagine that there is any better place to be than on a Death Valley LSU, and then in Death Valley on an LSU uh, game day in the fall at night. I, I can't imagine there's any place else that's more electric in the world ever.
1: Let me tell you something. Whenever you sign that national letter of intent to go play at LSU, you literally, when you sign that paper, the coaches come to your house, tell your mom all the lies telling her or your grandmother that you can come here and be great just to get you there. Then You have to figure it out yourself. But you sign that to come play in games like these. You have two under, an under two undefeated teams coming to match up against each other. Both teams, I know, Florida fans kind of, uh, but they're hoping to get to the playoff. Your team is obviously this is the, one of the better offenses you've had at the school in a long time. And it it's like this is what you sign up for. You know, it's going to be crazy. Like at LSU, can you have beer in the stadium?
0: Uh, yes, you can. No, oh, actually, oh, so that, so, that I, I, don't, I can't remember if it's in certain areas. Yeah, but yeah, I know uh, LSU is one of the few places, maybe the only place in the SEC that you can have it uh in the stadium now. I love West Virginia by the way since we just happened to be on that for a second. Well, I forgot about it being at West Virginia. West West Virginia people just should not be allowed to drink in the stadium. That's a, <laughs> that's just a mixture for disaster. I love it. It makes it crazier, but I mean, that's just that's just a mixture for disaster. They got to be making all kinds of money up there anyway.
1: Yeah, it's just Yeah, it's just a recipe of disaster. Yeah, a hundred and I think their seating capacity is hundred two thousand. It's going to be amazing when they run out. Hopefully that they've taken some notes there from Georgia as far as the. I know LSU has a traditional kind of sense of doing things. Hope they got they have some sort of light show. Their social media team is always on ten. LSU, so I know that yeah. I know they're going to be ready to go. The Grant Delpit guy, he's going to have the defense, and really you're going to this game also expecting to see a great offense too. So this really makes it like a double down, a uh, double excited. for Yeah. Them. I mean, I can't
0: wait to see Mike the Tiger roaming around. Love him. But, I mean, probably the most fearsome mascot in all of football. Most uh, definitely. Yeah, Bebo's pretty big, but uh, Mike the Tiger would just rip his jugular out. Like no sh- Bevo stands no shot. Um, and, and there's some other mascots around that I don't like that look a little intimidating. But uh, you got Bevo, or excuse me, Mike the Tiger. He he's First of all, he's got a palace as like a... As like a, what do you call it? An enclosure is the the nice word for cage. Um, I mean, (laughs) this thing is, is like a 15,000 square foot, like jungle. He's got, he's just roaming around by himself. It's awesome. But, uh,
1: living large.
0: Yeah. I like how they have him like right on the sidelines sometimes. And, and, you know, you look at the old video, older videos of of Mike, the tiger, he's just in a cage, like right by the end zones. (laughs) It's crazy. Um, but yeah, I, I I love Mike Tiger. Uh, I love. I mean, God, I love Coach O so much. I want LSU to win a national championship with Coach O, just so like this period in time can kind of be vindicated and all the yeah. Coach O fandom can be like kind of vindicated. But uh, yeah, I mean, just what a just an amazing environment. Um, as we've said many times now. All right, here we go. LSU thirteen and a half point favorites at home against Florida. Uh, a defense who played very well last week and an offense who played okay. Um, LSU has had some struggles on defense, but their offense is putting up like 50 points a game. Yep. Um, so that's the matchup, LSU's offense versus Florida's defense. I think LSU's offense is strong enough to overcome Florida's defense. I, I don't think LSU's going to throw, throw up 50, um, but I do see plenty of scenarios where they throw up 30, 35. Yeah. Um, and, and I think Florida's offense is just not good enough for LSU's defense to be just good enough if that makes any sense. Um, and and you, uh, we're just, I mean, this is just going to be a huge game. Uh, there are huge implications, playoff implications on this game. The winner should automatically be in the top three, if not the top two in the nation immediately after this game, Sunday morning in AP poll. Or we get the playoff polls this week, remember. Yeah. Um, because if LSU were to win this game, they would have the two best wins in the country. They would have Texas on the road, and they would have undefeated number 7 Florida at home. Um, And and they're number 5 now. They should jump whoever is in the teams in front of them. They would then have better wins than Clemson, and they would have better wins than Alabama. The only team that I don't see a scenario, right now, I just said the other day, if I had to rank my top two, it would be Ohio State 1 and LSU 2. If LSU wins this game, I I would rank them still the same. I, I think Ohio State's just a little bit ahead right now but LSU should be number 2 and, and there should be no debate. Alabama and Clemson should not be up in the top 2 just because of the way they play. And I've long been an Alabama homer on, on as far as they should be in in the number 1 just because they're good. They have not there's too many good teams in college football this year to put an underperforming team up there just because of their brand and what they've done in the last 5 years um, and, and just because they're undefeated in the top to when all these other teams are undefeated and they played much better competition and they seem to have things more complete. They seem to be more complete teams at this time. Alabama's still got some things to figure out on defense. And Clemson's in a funk. And they don't play anybody, so we won't know when they're really out of that funk until they beat three teams by four, which could easily start this weekend, until they beat three or four teams in, by 40 uh, in a row. Like, somewhat... Um, at, like, somewhat... Uh, adequate uh competition. Yeah. Excuse me. And, and I, I just don't see like Clemson's got to Clemson's got to prove it. Uh and they really should have to when you play that that level of competition. And Alabama as well they haven't played the best competition, but they'll get there. They, they they have LSU and they have Alabama or excuse me Auburn um later down the year and they'll end up if they end up winning the West, they'll play Georgia. Um but yeah, I just I, it's just I, I, it frustrates me every week. We sit here and talk about it, how the best teams uh, this year aren't the top teams this year because these aren't AP polls for the last five years. It's the AP poll for this year or the BCS, the playoff poll, and I really hope the committee takes that into account this week. Who are the best teams this year, not the best teams the last five years because those years don't matter towards 2019's national champion. Um, and, and I think this game, whether whoever it should be, Florida or LSU, should be on the road, uh, should be in the top three teams. Um, Florida, if you were Florida and you go to LSU and win in Death Valley at night, any year that is a very tall task. This year it is especially tall because I think LSU is a legitimate shot at, at uh, not only the SEC championship, but the national championship as well. And, and if you go beat that team on the road in Death Valley at night, I, you can't – that is the best win in college football all year. It, like, hands down, there's yeah. there's no other team that will be able to hold a candle to that, especially coming off their, I mean, defensively dominating performance against Auburn last week. Uh, and, and they have another tough game here this later this month. But we'll see, you know, what happens in, in, in the Baton Rouge this week, and hopefully the playoff committee responds to that in their first poll because this game – is the biggest game of the season, I think, Uh, and it has the most playoff implications, I think, uh, of any game to this point.
1: Yeah, one would have to say because the reason, another reason they should be ranked as one of the top what, top two teams in the country if they win this game, does that mean that their defense was able to neutralize a really great offense, like proven really good offense all all throughout the season? Yeah, on Florida side. Yeah, on Florida side. And also that means their their offense were able to kind of overcome a lot of their – weaknesses, I guess you could say, able to put some points on the board, because I envision LSU at least score 21. I'd give them the 21 to 28-ish. I
0: don't. Th- I think their worst game they still score 20.
1: Yeah, so like, if they're able to do both of those on those sides, then they'll obviously be, have qualified, I guess, to be in that number two spot.
0: Yeah, um, I just wanted, I wrote down that on the notes, and, and I just wanted to bring that up. Uh. I, wrote, I also wrote down gamblers, beware, spelled beware wrong, <laughs> <laughs> big time, and, and um, in this game, LSU is a thirteen and a half point favorite. I, I would like to think that that Florida can't keep up with LSU right now, just because LSU is that good. Um, and, and I've kind of put Florida down this year a lot, but it, it's not that I don't think they will be there. I just still, I still don't believe yet. Um, but I, I do see plenty of ways where Florida can keep this under thirteen and a half points. This could be a ten point game. Yeah um and, and i think if it's a 10 point game it will be that 34 to 24 game um i would just stay away from this game if you're betting this week <laughs> i don't like it it's going to be a tough one to win either way um and if you're 13 and a half is just weird if it's 10 I, I take lsu um anything over that it's just it gets to be a too much but not enough to where i would take florida and be confident we'll move on from that game to another game that has very huge playoff implications, a game that we've been kind of talking about that we've been ready for for the last three or four weeks that so we've sat here and, and said that we are ready for this game. Uh, turn on your TV Saturday at noon. Be looking live at the Cotton Bowl, where number six, Oklahoma, is traveling down to play Texas as Texas comes up to Dallas um, for the annual Red River Shootout. And, I mean, just... The first thing I got here is just what an awesome venue the Cotton Bowl is every year. Um, I, I'm As more and more games have moved to Jerry World in, in Arlington and in, in Cowboy or AT&T Stadium, whatever they call it now, it's gotten less emotional, I guess. Yeah. It, it gives me less of something to attach to as a venue, and I love that they still play this game in the Cotton Bowl. You got the Texas State Fair going in the background with the big Tex. So he's like 70-foot-tall cowboy and the background, that's always cool to see. Um, it's kind of that. And the game day crew, like, when they're there, they always have the, the fried foods on set. It's that, it is, this game is just that fall feeling. It's that football feeling. You're playing outdoors, not indoors. I don't, I don't, I love the dome games for, like, at different times. But I, I this game always needs to play in the Cotton Bowl because this is, like, this 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 game to me has always been October and fall and this is football and they're all this is how they get together. It is just so awesome.
1: Yeah, it really is. You think a lot of the names, the great names that have played in this game. Did you ever see the best that never was, the ESPN documentary? Yes, I
0: have. Marcus yeah,
1: Dupree. Marcus Dupree, you have guys like him. I always think of like the Sam Bradford, the Colt McCoy's, the Vince Young. There's been a lot of really great players that have played in this game. One thing, okay, in the move kind of on the football side of things, did you watch the Jalen Hurts press conference early in the week?
0: Uh, I, did, I saw some of his comments, but I didn't watch it all.
1: I used to love, and I, I, I'm rooting for Oklahoma in this game, and I used to love how he does things, but he is a, a player version of Bill Belichick. He like he,
0: they were asking, he, he is now. He's got so Saban is just saving oh them so hard. My gosh! Like you watch
1: it, like he's a cop. Like in my head, I'm like, does he even realize how uncollege kid? I was listening to his quarterbacks coach podcast, and he was like, he thinks the, the he thinks that Jalen Hurts is more mature than the coaches. Like
0: that's, <laughs> I have to agree with that in some points.
1: Did you hear? At one point in time, they were like, "Did you did Texas recruit you?" He was like, "Yes." And then, and then, oh gosh, and then the reporter's like, so what did you, can, did you consider going there? He's like, I'm at a, I went to Alabama. And it's like, he gives you no leeway as a reporter. I would absolutely hate it.
0: Yeah, that would suck. That, uh, yeah, he, that would suck.
1: Because he knows what he's doing here, and he's like, and he's not, and he's just moving right past it. Also, he had one other thing that was, I don't know, it just seems like he said, he keeps saying, making comments about, I played in the Iron Bowl, like this is kind of nothing.
0: And, oh, that's, oh, that's the thing. All right, so all I right. saw this. That's the thing. I, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so a reporter asked him like, what was the big deal about playing in the, in the Cotton Bowl? And he's never played in the game like this. And all. he said, I I I've played in the Iron Bowl the last three years, I guess, three years. Um, it's, I mean, that's the iron, like, this is just the Red River rivalry or whatever you called it. He's like, this I don't, is, I played in bigger games, basically, I which do not, I love.
1: I love it. I do not think the people in t- t- you might have to cut like a
0: little yeah. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just cut us in right there. All right. We're back. We had a little technical difficulty. But we were right in the middle of talking about the Iron Bowl and Jalen Hurts' comments um about playing in the Iron Bowl versus playing in the Red River Rivalry and I was saying that that a reporter had asked him about uh what the like oh, you know, you've kind of never played in a game like this. Dude, the Iron Bowl, I, I mean, like I said, I couldn't I could not love this comment more as an SEC like guy myself. The Iron Bowl has been so much bigger of a game than the Red River Shootout has been over the last decade, and it's not even close. Like, Texas has been absolute garbage for several years of this rivalry. And like Steve Spurrier always used to say, you know, you got to beat the other team every once in a while for it to be a rivalry. And, yeah, they beat them once when Charlie Strong was there. Uh, Texas beat Oklahoma once when Charlie Strong was there. But this game just hasn't been, like, it hasn't had the implications that the iron bowl has had and the iron bowl has literally been the two best teams in the nation pretty much for several of the last uh, 10 years you've got a few you got a few championships by clemson and, and one by fsu and one by ohio state and then every other national championship pretty much in the last decade has come from either alabama or auburn there is no way you could compare this uh red river shootout to the Iron Bowl because even when Oklahoma does make it to the college football playoff, they lose.
1: Yeah, yeah, they always seem to like lose out at the last minute or just the Texas just not be competitive. You know, so that just look at the all-time series and Texas leads the series sixty-two forty-seven and five. A little bit. Sur- are you surprised or did you kind of expect that?
0: Uh, the all-time series. Yeah, I knew it was a little leaning Texas, but I mean, fifteen games really not that much in the grand scheme of things when you think about how just more dominant. Uh, Texas was early in football, yeah. early in college football. But
1: yeah, to double down on what you said, yeah, for the past ten, fifteen years, Texas has kind of been out of the picture here. So even whenever Sam Bradford and those guys were really good, they were playing schools like Florida. So that being said, no real national title implication. Just maybe your grandfather, yeah, you, your two grandfathers, one went to Texas, one went to Oklahoma, and they go Duke it out at the Cotton Bowl.
0: Yeah, you had like one, you know, a couple good years when when um. Oh, uh, McCoy, whoo, I never blank on Colt McCoy, I love Colt McCoy, uh, Colt McCoy was at Texas, those were a couple of good years, but for the last several years, like, since McCoy left, Texas hasn't been a good football team, just period, they have not been the program that we all knew, and we all loved, or most of us loved, and you can't compare this game as a reporter, dude. You, uh, there's a Texas fan online complaining about it. Like, wake up, pal. <laughs> Your rivalry sucks compared to the Iron Bowl right now. And it just—that that is just the facts. I, and that's how it has been for the last 10 years. This, this Red River shootout, the reason I'm so hyped, because it is the first one in a while that has been, it is going to have so much implication. It's going to be unreal, and I am so excited for it. And, and both of these teams are very good football teams. But they are not Auburn, and they are not Alabama of the last 10 years as far as, those two teams being having this kind of implication, like this rivalry shootout, the Iron Bulls has had that implication every year for the last like 15 years since Saban got to Alabama. Pretty much, it, you know, it, the Auburn has been just as competitive uh, in Saban's winning national championship run. Just as competitive as Alabama has
1: and it'll be the same way this year too so it's like it just keeps getting,
0: it kind of laps the other one it's like
1: even if y'all down and out or up and good with this still that Alabama Auburn game will still have the national title implication or just be extremely competitive also with the new bit I think the big 12 championship that's a new thing that they're doing right that they've only been doing yeah that they for did it years. well I think
0: last year maybe the year before
1: yeah, so one thing I'm also starting to notice is that Oklahoma-Texas game, like they'll play here in the Cotton Bowl. It could happen again. But yeah. most likely it'll happen just like it did last season. And yeah. in the year before, that, I think TCU was playing against Oklahoma. Yes,
0: yeah. And, and that kind of takes a little bit of the buzz out of uh, that game. I, I don't really like Big 12 basically just has to get another team in so they can have the old championship back, you know. Um, but anytime Oklahoma and Texas play, I'll be watching so it doesn't really matter how bad, like, one of them are, uh, one of them is. you. But I, I got to agree with Jalen on the fact that, like, the Iron Bowl is just a bigger game right now, and, and it just has been. And if you don't see that, wake up. I mean, there's no other way around it. I do love how they give out yeah, this this robbery. I love how it's called the Red River Shootout. And it's called several other things now that it's changed, and you can't say shootout on TV anymore. Red River Rivalry. Oh, I didn't know that. Red River. Uh, what are they? Rundown or something. Showdown. 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 Hey, that sucks too. Give me the shootout.
1: Producer um, Brandon on the minutes.
0: Yeah, I mean it's <laughs> Texas and Oklahoma. You're playing in the dust in Dallas. Like we're all thinking about Cowboys. They give away a golden hat at the end of the game. It's a golden cowboy hat. Like call it the shootout. Um, <laughs> and, and as far as this matchup, I just. I, I just think Jalen is better than Ellinger is, and I don't think there's a good argument against that. Nah. I mean, Jalen is just better than Sam Ellinger is. Um, Texas is going to have to play the just a perfect game almost to beat Oklahoma, I think, because I think the teams that Oklahoma play, Oklahoma will lose to in the college football playoff, I, I think they'll make it the college football playoff, whatever team that they lose to is just better on – almost good day than Texas is on their very best day and and Texas will be there like next year but or in two years maybe they just aren't quite there yet because of Jalen Hurts he is just too good
1: I heard Joel Klatt say something that, that kind of piqued my interest a little bit his thing was the way that Texans kind of neutralize this game is with them being the more physical team, It was at least what it seems like. That's true. Yeah, so if you if they can out-physical or even just match the level of Oklahoma's physicality, that probably can keep them in the game, especially in a rivalry game where the tensions, I'm sure, will be high because both teams know what is at stake right here in this game.
0: Yeah, and let's not forget that Oklahoma's defense sucks, so it does year <laughs> in and year out. That's what keeps costing them. I mean, if they had a defense when they played Georgia a couple of years and Baker a couple of years ago and that Rose Bowl and Baker was there, even though that game was close, I if they had a it. defense, they would have won that game because they could have stopped Georgia at least once. But yeah, Georgia just kept scoring. Oklahoma was scoring because their offense was so prolific, but Georgia was just scoring because Oklahoma's defense was so bad. Yeah, I
1: think they, had, they were up by 14 at the half of that, in that game, if I'm not mistaken. I hated the fact that Baker Mayfield and those guys cannot pull out that win. I really <laughs> wanted to see Oklahoma go ahead and advance, but uh, it was meant to be for Georgia.
0: Yeah, I mean, they, Oklahoma just seems to beat themselves every year and once they get to that point in the season. Um, and, and, I mean, I, I just, like I've said, th- this is just one of the best robberies in all of sport. Um, yeah, Texas needs to play Texas A&M again. But when I think Texas rivalry, this is this game in October. It is such a perfect time that I think that's why I love it so much because it's the middle of October. Like, and, and it's not like huge. Like you're getting into like the divisional rivalries, but you aren't getting to the big big rivals yet. Almost uh, other than a few few of them, this is like the premier one in the middle of the season. It used to be the third Saturday in October with with <coughs> excuse me, uh, Bama and Tennessee. But it's, it's just not that anymore because of how far Tennessee has fallen in all eyes on this game this week. Um, we'll go to Michigan State, Wisconsin. You got some, yeah, you just one last else?
1: thing, a little bit like uh, analytical, whatever. Kind of interesting that that game is at 11 o'clock in the morning, too. <coughs> like, you see, in Texas, they're an hour behind of us on that. Yeah, thinking.
0: so I think the reasoning there is that um, I'm not sure that the Cotton Bowl has lights. Um, because there's still, yeah, there's still quite a few stadiums. Uh, I could be wrong on this. Um, and, and the, uh, or, or, and the game was always played like at 11 or 11. So it could be noon Eastern time. Yeah. Um, just so the, like the fair is going on and it just brings more like this game is like, has that day game feel, yeah. which sucks if you're tailgating. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I kind of like it because it gives you a solid game at noon, and TV networks just can't change that because that's when um, those teams will be playing. So a- the Cotton, so the Cotton Bowl does have lights, but so that's not three. I knew that used to be the game that uh, the reason that Michigan always played at noon um, as a as the time got darker earlier because if you start that game at three thirty, it's getting dark at the end, and they just got lights like three years ago whenever they played Notre Dame in those throwback jerseys who would have
1: jerseys? that of all the things that that stadium didn't have light, that that's wow
0: yeah yeah the big house didn't have lights for a long time and I think there's still a couple out there uh, that don't because I know the in the Big Ten you don't really need them because the Big Ten doesn't allow their teams to play night games in November I think that's changed in the last couple of years it's more of the fake turf has gotten put in but it used to be so cold and like the turf was just it, it just made it miserable um, in the Big what? Ten games yeah yeah, there was a long-standing rule in, in, in the Big Ten, and I'm, I'm not quite sure that it's not still a rule. Um, it may be that the Big Ten teams don't play night games in November. Um, but we'll roll on to Michigan State and Wisconsin, number eight, Wisconsin, really quickly, as we are getting close to the end of the podcast here. We're running out of time. Uh, Michigan State it, it just lost to Ohio State last weekend, and performed all right um, for about as good as you would think they would have done. They have a chance to keep it close. Wisconsin's only 10.5-point favorites, but I just believe what Wisconsin's elite defense and power running game will just run them over. Jonathan Taylor has been unstoppable. Um, got anything to say about this, one, Matthew? No, I expect Wisconsin to keep winning until
1: they face a Penn State. Uh, I don't know if they play Michigan. They to be, yeah. Before, yeah, they, yeah, they
0: beat uh, waxed Michigan.
1: Yeah, so until they play Ohio State, maybe Iowa, maybe at night, or a Penn State, I expect Wisconsin to keep rolling.
0: Yeah, and speaking of Penn State, number ten Penn State is a three and a half point favorite on the road uh, at Iowa this weekend. Oh, um, Iowa night? Yeah, I, I don't know if that one's at night. Uh, you'll have to look that one up real quick. But I didn't write the time down on my on 730. my notes here. Seven thirty game. Okay, yeah, okay. So that'll be a big game there uh, in in Iowa. But I I thought Iowa should have been able to win that Michigan game last week, and they just kept like just. They just didn't even look. It's a football team who wanted to win. <laughs> um, this, and I, I know they are, which it's kind of, it was just frustrating to watch. It was just classic Big Ten football. Like we're gonna try to get this first down, but I know we can't, so we're just gonna punt it to you now, kind of thing. <laughs> Penn State, here you go, Penn State. You're you haven't lost. Here's your chance to prove you. Were, I don't know how like more people aren't talking about Penn State. I'm starting to hear some clamoring about them. But I mean, James Franklin has had a like a pretty decent team since he got there, like, and and when he left Vanderbilt, and I hated to see him leave the SEC. uh, But he's a very good leader, and he has, you know, he's a very like great and characteristic person. Um, I I couldn't speak higher of him from everything I've seen from him. He seems like one of the nicest, down to earth guys in college football. you really couldn't think of a better person after what happened with the Joe Paterno
1: situation yes. to come and restore like the culture and that uh, people want, like you know, the We Are Penn State team, than James Franklin.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you, and I think that's kind of the reason they hired him uh, is because of the – he. yeah, he was a good football coach, but the caliber of person he was, yeah. um, and, and I, I couldn't agree with you more there. He's one of very few people who – can begin to make that change, and that's still happening in Penn State, that that change over to progress and move forward um, from that situation and how your football program handles that and and what are the right things to do. And I think he is a role model, uh, just person, to to be able to do that. Uh, But they are playing Iowa this week. This can be a big chance for Penn State. You've got to go win this game on the road, and you find yourself – deeper in the top 10. I think you you jump you jump Notre Dame. You should jump Notre Dame if, if you beat Iowa. Um I, I'm tired of rewarding Notre Dame for this loss at Georgia. Uh so we don't reward losses or we shouldn't. You you should look at your your record and uh and I'm not saying every win is equal. Um but you shouldn't reward losses. So we'll we'll move on from Penn State, Iowa, and kind of the rundown of games this week. Obviously, just an incredible slate of games this week. I am very excited to sit on my couch and watch football a lot this weekend. Uh, I got some picks of the week for you. Just a reminder, I'm 11-5 on the year on this podcast. That's about 69%, so, I mean, you got, you're you making money if you're betting with me. Uh, <laughs> this this week, there was a few games I kind of tried to stay away from a lot of the bigger games. Um just because I, I I always tend to think those games are traps. Uh, number 20, Virginia is a two-and-a-half-point underdog at Miami. Uh, I, I think UVA will probably win that game. I just haven't seen anything out of Miami that makes them, me believe in them. Pretty sure um,
1: Miami's without their starting quarterback as well. I think he's injured. So, yeah, I'm definitely not. Is Virginia undefeated right now?
0: No, they lost a the game last week, two weeks ago. They're not that great either, I don't think. their they're rating, Their ranking does not show who they are. Okay. I mean, they almost lost Old Dominion a couple weeks ago. Oh, I think these two teams are about on the same level, but I think UVA is a little bit better. i picked pick uh, UVA money line there. Um, then you've got Mississippi State minus seven to cover Tennessee, as we mentioned earlier. The only thing I said in, in, in my notes on this one is this game just kind of feels like a trap, like like it's too easy. Uh, but just bet on Mississippi. You just got to kind of maybe. Just ignore your trap feeling and bet on Mississippi State. It just makes too much sense to knock to, and that's probably why that'll lose. Um, Washington State at Arizona State over 59 points. I believe Washington State, I always will believe in them to get an over. Um, In Arizona State, it can put up some points too. Herm's got them rolling down there uh, in the the desert. The Sun Devils are doing well this year. Um, We'll see how that one goes. Over at 59 points and Michigan State at Wisconsin. I took Wisconsin to cover in that one, minus 10.5. Like we said, I, I just think Wisconsin's defense is going to be too good and their run game is going to be too powerful, and I think they're going to do to Michigan State about what they did to Michigan and just kind of roll all over them. And another game, back to the SEC, that we didn't talk about this week uh, in our SEC rundown is Ole Miss and our, uh Ole Miss at Missouri. Uh, Missouri is a 12-point favorite. Um, I Missouri... Ole Miss is just not as good as South Carolina is, I don't believe, even though I believe they're on the same tier. And to see Missouri just beat the crap out of South Carolina like they did a few weeks ago, I don't see any problem whether well, they're not going to do it again this week and win by at least 14, 15 points. Uh, Missouri is without Kelly Bryant, though, right?
1: Oh, no, they just announced he will play in a leg brace. He'll probably be limited. He probably didn't okay. practice too much this week.
0: All right, so Kelly Bryant will be back from our, our injury expert, Matthew. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, Kelly Bryant's back. <laughs> Missouri. I. I just. I don't know. Even with half of Kelly Bryant, I think they beat Ole Miss by twenty. Yeah. So. she's um, twenty. Yeah, I don't think that one's going to be very close. Uh, we kind of rolled through those pretty quickly. We're running out of time here pretty quickly. We got. We'll talk a little baseball. I told you, Atlanta fans, that the Braves were going to lose in the first round, and you went up two one, and, and you didn't believe. You didn't want to believe all the things you were hearing about. How the Braves weren't going to go anywhere. Oh, we got it now. Yeah, you're getting smacked against the Cardinals right now. There's no way you come back from this game. And by the time this podcast is out, I hope you've still got more tears left in need to cry. Um, <laughs> the Braves just aren't there yet. I, I do, I love to hate on Braves fans, but they have a really good team in Atlanta and they'll get there. But uh, you still just aren't there yet. And you made improvements in the offseason. But here's the thing: you gotta go sign some some aces. You gotta go sign some bigger name pitchers. And, and I know you've got some guys you believe in, um, and you've got guys with great stories. But you need the Josh Donaldson of pitching. So go do that, and then you'll have a chance. Um, but great young core there, and, and good vet and Donaldson, and there's some other guys around that house, uh, clubhouse like Freddie Freeman, um, who has had kind of a rocky postseason. Don't give up on Freddie Freeman. I don't. I don't want to see the Freddie Freeman hate. He is one of the best guys in baseball, one of the best performers in baseball, and he will be back next year and will continue to do so like he does every year. Um, crazy how we got three game fives in the NL and the NL and ALDS this year. The only team that advanced was the Yankees uh, over the Twins. I was kind of shocked to see the Twins lay down like that, and just lose three games outright. I, I figured they steal one from the Yankees. Um, I, I just felt like the Twins had more pride than that, but. The Yankees are just, they, I mean, that was a mismatch from the beginning. The Yankees are too good. The Astros, though, are down to their last game against the Rays. I mean, they got to, here's here's my thing. So, Matthew, you know, and I've said it on the podcast, I am a, I'm a diehard Red Sox fan. Right. If the Astros do not beat the Rays uh, tomorrow night, I believe, so Thursday night, the Yankees will win the World Series. They're just the Rays does not have a chance do not have a chance against New York. And whoever it be from the you know, it looks like it's gonna be the Nats, Dodgers, or um Cardinals. Um it won't be the Braves, just to rub that in again. And, and it I just don't think any of those teams stand a chance against New York or uh Houston. So I know Houston beats New York, I believe if that is the AL pennant matchup but the astros have got to win uh so astros i'm counting on you And, and like a nice win so you can go on and just sweep the yankees in the next round that'd be great
1: um brendan do you think that new york is better whenever uh well new york the city is more alive whenever the yankees win the world series
0: yeah i i think so um I mean, me being from New Jersey, I know a lot. All my buddies are Yankees fans. They're annoying as hell. Um, <laughs> shout out Sean. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I hope to God they lose. You <laughs> don't think. want to hear it? No, I don't want to hear it at all. Yeah, I mean, uh, no one does. No one likes Yankees fans. Yankees fans love themselves. No one else likes them in, in all of the sport, uh, which is just awesome. So. Matthew, you said you were skipping out on your high school game this week.
1: Yeah, unless uh, the, the check clears and I can get some gas in the car. If it does, I'll head out to uh, River Bluff versus Dutch Fork. It's two undefeated matchups coming out of Lexington County. Uh, Be interesting to see how that goes, when these teams will leave. And then Lexington has a really good, like, that county, they're really good with, like, student sections and things of that nature. So it's like the whole high school environment versus if you go out to uh, my old high school, Richland Northeast, you might be able to be playing and pick out your grandmother in the stands and she's at the same place because nobody else is going to be out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, we are still so college kids. Got I mean, my Venmo is open at TWW2001. Um, I believe that's my Venmo. If not, just DM me on Twitter. I'll send it over to you. You can send me, <laughs> send me some gas money. I'll get that to Matthew. he will take care of it. Uh, High school roundup. <laughs> the, we're going to kind of close it down here. don't have a whole lot of time. The Panthers are going to London. Uh, I put this in a package for the news team earlier. I'm um, on Carolina News here on campus. But uh, I didn't realize that the Panthers hadn't been to – I've never been to London.
1: Surprise.
0: So, yeah, I, I'm surprised. This is the – the Tampa Bay third Times—they're always there because they're—they're trash. They're—they're they're just a bad enough franchise to agree to go over there. Uh, they're but they are playing at nine thirty. That'll be awesome. Football as soon as you wake up. Love that. Can't can't beat wake up football. Um, might mess around. Miss church? Yeah. <laughs> might not, you might not want to do that. One. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, don't do that. I'm you'll, be in you'll be in trouble. You'll be in trouble with somebody. Uh, we'd like to remind you that Alex, um, our NASCAR buddy, Alex is coming in Sunday. Talk about DeGa and rolling DeGa this weekend. I cannot wait to see all the crazy redneck NASCAR fans down in, in Alabama going after it. Uh, it is, I mean, it produces some of the best content on the internet. I love these people hanging out with them. Uh, if you ever get a chance to meet like a like an actual NASCAR fan and just talk NASCAR with them, the passion that they have about NASCAR it just unbelievable. Um, so that's why I'll, I mean, I've always had a great respect for NASCAR fans and. I mean, I, I'm not. I can't get into their sport. I just, I, I, try, but I can't do it. It's the same with like tennis. Like, I can't get into that either. Yeah, it, it just doesn't do it for me. But I do love talking about culture. So we'll have a little. We'll have our buddy Alex in here to teach us a little bit about NASCAR and tell us what's going on in the 2019 Chase for the Cup. The I think they still call it the Chase for the Cup. The the new NASCAR playoffs. Um, we'd like to also remind you that this has been a production of Garnet Media. And we would like to say a special thank you to Ben Sound for our music. Uh, Matthew, any last words? No, nothing at all. Going to be a great weekend of college football. Uh, go Cox. Go Cox. Go Cox from producer Brendan. Uh, he's headed out to Athens this week. So we'll Boomer work. Sooner as well. Yeah, Boomer Sooner. Um, I'm rooting for, for the picks of the week is what I'm rooting for this week. <laughs> free money. Yeah, the, the free money I keep trying to give you people. Um, <laughs> Have a great week. We will see you on Monday and enjoy all the football that's going on around college football this week. We will be back to talk about everything that happened on Monday's episode. Make sure you go subscribe, uh, rate, review, leave us a review, actually type it out. I mean, it's not, it's not too hard. We'd, it would help us greatly, um, and we would very much appreciate it. Throw us a follow on Spotify. If you don't have Spotify, download Spotify and just hit follow. Um, <laughs> tell your friends. Uh, get people involved go follow the show on twitter at the lead underscore block and instagram dm us questions dm us topics um follow matthew at matt the chosen one uh number one on instagram and twitter follow myself at tyler walters cnr on twitter dm me questions for the podcast we'd love to hear from you uh like we said tell your friends keep getting the word out there about the podcast we love doing this for you we want to be able to grow and connect with our audience Um, and it's been a great time for us. Uh, With that being said, we will see you Monday. Peace out.